Well, welcome to our third podcast, right? The third one? It is the third one. For SFL, which is not what he wants to call it. (laughs) Strengthened for Life podcast. Pastor Tim, how are you feeling today? I'm doing well. Very well. I'm very close to graduating. And so, a little scatterbrained. Just trying to get through with papers and, um, yeah. Does that make sense? I mean, I feel good. I'm not trying to say that I that don't feel good or that I'm in some kind of weird mood. But it's just busy. Yeah. With papers. Not in a bad thing, but just like. And really, I only have one more paper to write, but it's like 3,000 words, so. Yeah. I don't miss that at all. Well, my name is Tim Rivers, and for those of you that have never joined us on Strengthened for Life, my co-host here, her name is... Brianna Klingenberg. Great. (laughs) Not to be confused with Brianna. No. It's Brianna. Yes. It's a fun one for people to try to say. Brianna, is it Brianna or is it Brianna? Yeah, and then the last name, wow. That goes south so fast. Anytime anyone from your family calls me while I'm in my vehicle, uh, the way she says y'all's last name is hilarious. It's Klingenberg. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's how they've said my name all throughout school. Klingenberg? Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, there you go. My name is actually pretty basic in terms of how to pronounce it. Tim Rivers. That's it. All right, what are we talking about today? So I was thinking through through several conversations that we've had about just your your strengthening your body, soul, and spirit, the Mm -hmm. conversation of, well, what is the soul and how do you strengthen the soul? Mm. And then the conversation naturally drifts into, do you believe soul ties are real? And obviously we, we talk about one, and that is the physical soul tie, but I think there's more. I think there's spiritual and emotional soul ties as well. So, so soul being your mind, will, and emotions, right? So is there a physical soul tie? I think so. Or a tie that you make of your soul through physical actions, yeah. Mm. Well, what's your take on it, Brie? Do you believe in soul ties? Yes. Explain that. I think that we are not built to be in relationships in a stagnant way. They're either going forward or going backwards. And the further you move forward in a relationship, the tighter your bonds get. And that could be like an emotional bond, a spiritual bond, or a physical bond. Okay, but explain soul ties. Like, what does soul ties actually mean? When in our modern context, when people say, when people talk about soul ties, what does that actually mean? I think it's when you have tied your life to somebody. And it can be like a emotional thing, a mental thing a physical thing that you've, you've joined your life to them and you're now living with that person in mind. Like you buy things thinking about that person or you make plans thinking about your future with that person. You've tied yourself to them in some way. Do you think those are eternal? Mm, yes and no. I think the impact it has on your life is, I think... Just like they say, just like scripture tells you that you're not married in heaven, then I think there isn't any ties in heaven. But the impact those ties have had on your effectiveness in life will affect your eternity. Interesting. What do you think? Well, you know, anytime I think of... Well, our modern context really with soul ties is not um, just like being connected to someone. But soul ties... Whenever you hear someone talk about soul ties, they usually talk about intimacy, sexual intimacy, 
right, that between two individuals that now has tied them together. I don't know if I believe that. I don't think that there is, well, let me, let me say this. There's nothing, there's, there's no biblical reference or scripture reference that says that if you join to someone physically, that there is a soul tie. So you don't believe in soul ties at all? I believe in, I believe that there can be emotional connections. I believe that those emotional connections can be strong. I think that people, however they relate to each other, right? Whether it's like a friendship or it's um, romantic or it's physical, you can tie yourself to someone emotionally. But I think the, the term soul tie, number one, is not really biblical, especially in terms of our modern definition of it. And then secondarily, I don't think that, I think if you are born again and you have the Holy Spirit within you, and you're leaned into the Holy Spirit and you allow the Holy Spirit to lead and guide your mind, will, and emotions, then if you said someone else has a stronger, has a soul tied to you, whatever, for as long as you are on this earth, does that, whatever person, have more power than the Holy Spirit? Okay, counter thought. Is the idea of soul being your mind, will, and emotions explicitly laid out in Scripture? No. So is the idea of soul off the table as well? No, I think there is there is a soul. The Scripture does talk about soul. Like, you, you know, you read the Scripture of David, had a really strong connection with Jonathan, and uh, their souls were knit together. And I've always seen... Like, I don't think that mind, will, and emotions is a bad definition for the soul. But I think that the soul, in, in Tim Rivers' definition of what the soul is, it's the innermost part of who you are. Like, the innermost part. So if you were going to, if I was going to dig down deep within myself, right? Like, past, um, past the physical, past the spiritual, and look into the very depth of who I am, what defines me, uh, that's where I feel like the soul is. And so that being the definition, and that seems to be the definition scripturally too, because when anytime the scripture talks about the soul, it really talks about the soul as being this really, really deep, unexplainable place within an individual. Past the heart, past the, like the spiritual aspect of it. But it's almost like this, unexplainable ethereal place that everybody knows when you say the soul, like when you say the soul of man, everybody knows what you're talking about, mm -hmm. but no one can explain what that actually means. Yeah. Cause they used to think in like way back in the day that your kidneys or like your guts basically was right. your soul. And then later on they attribute it to your heart. But I think that to say a soul tie is more powerful than the Holy Spirit is missing the point entirely. Um, I think that we have things that can compete with our relationship with the Lord all the time. They're not as strong in our life or, or as powerful in our life. We just choose them over the Lord. So you can choose things over our tie to the Holy Spirit simply because you're already naturally bonded to that person, I think. So I think the power of a soul tie is not that it's more powerful necessarily, but that it is tied and pulling away from who you are. And I think they can be broken. Right. Well, I think, you know, if you look at the definition though, like how you look it up anywhere, you look up soul ties, the definition is, is basically that you are almost like um, against your will, tied to this person, and they consume your thoughts. They can manipulate you. 
um, you do things, you behave in such a way with them in mind and so on and so forth. Yeah. And so, you know, for instance, people say, like, depending on what definition, but the majority of people that talk about soul ties talk about it in a intimate way, like that there is a soul tie that happens through Mm -hmm. intimacy. Well, that's just not biblical. I think emotionally you can connect to somebody. You know what I'm saying? Like you can say, there are a lot of unhealthy emotional connections for sure and healthy emotional connections. But to really say that a part of your soul, a part of the deepest, most inner, like intimate part of who you are is now tied to seven different people See, That's I, weird. It, well, well, it's not just weird. Like emotionally, I think you can super, get super confused, but it it just isn't. Like I'm always looking for. All right, even if that's true, then what is the principle in scripture? Right. Like now we do know that the scripture does. It doesn't categorize um, sexual sin as being like you know way higher than everything else. It does say that every other sin is outside of the body except for sexual immorality. That is to the body, as within the body. And so that there, there is a category, not really a category, but there is a description of that type of sin that affects you internally a lot more than external sins, right? Like, like the use, mind, will, emotional, for sure. But to say that all of a sudden, like, now you're connected to this person for life, like you're giving away parts of your soul. I think you can give parts of your emotions away. But well, but I think the whole point of the soul tie being able to be broken means it's not necessarily for life. Like and I and I think the biblical context of it is captured even in the way it explains like there's a timing for moments in a relationship. The physical aspect of that is after covenant, which makes sense because you're tying yourself to them in an intimate way. But I think even if you think about it emotionally or in your mind or whatever, I think there are steps that you take where you are willfully, I keep hitting this cord, sorry. You are willfully giving of yourself to that person, like surrendering part of who you are to that person, whether it's, you know, sharing about your life or how you process or whatever. And, and as you do, you willfully give that part of who you are. It's not that you lose control, but you do relinquish part of the control because you now have given them that power in your life of who you are. And again, it's not forever. I think they can be soul like soul ties can be broken. But I think at least when I understand it and I watch it work out in the world, I see people who get way too deep in relationships, even in like friendships or boyfriend and girlfriend relationships, and they cross certain lines that have given too much of that themselves to that person. There's too much power that person has in their life and they shouldn't prior to covenant. And it's not always physical, it's other ways as well. And it so affects them that years later, when they see the person's car, when they see, you know, hear a song that person used to like, when they, certain moments happen, there's a, oh, uh, I remember that, or I think about that person or something. And it's because they haven't broken that tie right. that they, gave to that person. So it's not like it's against your will because it initially it is your will to give that to them. But once you've surrendered that part of your will to them, it's that it's your choice to take it back. Yeah. But I think what you just described are emotions, maybe an aspect of the soul, but not the entire soul. Well, sure. I don't think your entire soul. That's why I don't think that there are soul ties. I think that there are emotional ties, right? Which maybe in, in if the definition of soul is mind, will, and emotions, then it could be a a part of your soul, but it's not your soul. Like, I don't think that, I think you can give your mind, will, and emotion, like if you take those three things, you go, you know what, I am going to, and really this happens in a marriage covenant, where you go, man, I'm fully giving myself to this person as they fully give themselves to me. I think there you can intentionally have a soul tie. But I think what you're describing is just an unhealthy emotional tie or someone that just hasn't dealt with 
that emotional aspect of the severed relationship or whatever. And, and, and again, that could be a good thing. You could have a healthy emotional tie and you can have an unhealthy emotional tie. But I don't think, again, when you look at it biblically, scripturally, you look at principles in the Bible, there isn't this concept that all of a sudden your entire soul is somehow now connected to this individual who can, you know, like wizard the Oz. Wizard the Oz or Oz the wizard? What's the Oz? Oz from the Wizard of Oz. You know how he was just like manipulating. Yeah, calling shots behind the curtain. Yeah. I don't think that that's, I think that it can happen if you're emotionally unhealthy and like, you know, haven't disconnected from this individually, from this individual mentally and emotionally. But um, the, the whole concept of soul ties, I just don't. I don't buy. So what if I said partial soul tie? Would that help like sell it to you? Would that make more sense? Is it the fact that it's a whole soul? Because right. even saying your emotions being part of your soul is how the tie is happening. Maybe. But like on the mind and will side of it, what causes your emotions to even have a place to be activated is if your mind is thinking about it or you've given your will, like the things that you what makes you excited about life, what drives you to do things in life, your will, right? If you align that to somebody else, then the emotions can like operate on something. So do you think that you have to use those three aspects simultaneously? Like, are they all heading in the same direction? Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I think they're all, I think they're all pretty interconnected. You have to like intentionally remove Like for me, thought can lead to impacting my will because if I meditate on that thought, it's going to affect more of me because I've given more time and more space to it. Does that make sense? And it could affect a decision that I make, which is the will part of me, a willful willful decision. Whether it's motivated in emotions or it's motivated in a tie or motivated in desire, it doesn't really matter because I had to think about it first before I started to actively do it. Yes, but I think they can operate independent of each other. In other words, I think that an individual, let's say Susie was in a relationship with Johnny and got super emotionally invested, blah, blah, blah. Let's say she's emotionally connected to him still, whatever, a year later. She thinks about him. She's emotionally connected to him. It's like but, a, like an emotional response. Right, but she has enough control over her will mm-hmm. that she doesn't pursue him, right? Or she uses her will to control her thoughts mm-hmm. and remove the emotional part of it. Yeah. So I think that they can operate independently of each other. In fact, I think that I think that they they are interconnected. In other words, like you can't, like you said, like if you think of something as a man thinks, so is he. So what you think about will inevitably lead to action. Um, what you dwell on is what you value. And so, but you can use your will, right, to power through your emotions and your mind. Or you can use your mind, right, to power through your will and emotions or you can use your emotions you to, to think power about that through <laughs> can you use your emotions your, your emotions for sure can get the better of you and control your mind and will but like you said you can remember it like a, maybe a god-given emotion about something to help bend your will the right direction because mm-hmm. i think that emotions are from the lord i think our flesh gets in the way we have our own flesh versions, oh, for sure. but well, God is emotional, right? Like he, like mm-hmm. we, we know that like, um, God gets sad. He's happy. He gets angry. He's just, he's jealous. Those are attributes of God, emotional attributes of God. And that's why I think that like, uh, 
could you have a soul tie? Could your mind, will, and emotions be so tied to this individual that that's what you think about, they control your will and your emotions? I mean... Maybe not control, but influence control. Influence how you're controlled. Yeah. I still don't think that, that, that the... Again, going off of the definition of what we are talking about in our modern context, I wouldn't call it a soul tie. I would call it an emotional tie or an aspect of the soul. So, partial tie. Partial definition of soul (laughs) tied or, you know what I'm saying, influenced by someone. I think that when a soul tie has happened, I think that the Holy Spirit is what helps us gain strength back, ground back, whether it's through the emotions, mind, or your will, gain it back to help cut those ties. And it's an active decision that has to be made. Because just like you actively, willfully gave space to somebody, you have to actively, willfully. But, but see, okay, take hey, it back. hey, that that's different, okay? Because what you're saying is, you actively, you have decided in your mind, yes, that this is what you're doing. You're yeah. giving your soul away. Yeah, but that's not the definition of a soul tie. I th- I'm sorry, I thought I made that clear earlier. Yeah, that's what I mean. I think a soul tie is first voluntary. Because because the definition of soul tie, again, the the overall universal definition of soul tie is is really based on the fact that intimacy is tridimensional it includes your body soul and spirit yeah right so what the definition of soul tie is is that involuntarily you connect to an individual that you're too intimate with subconsciously no i think it's voluntary okay well that's different I think it has to be. But but if it's voluntary, then there's some aspect within your mind, within the individual's mind, that believes that this is somehow much more than just a connection. Yeah. This is, And that's why that definition is a little different. But then again, I still don't think that's a soul tie. I think that's, that's a, again, I'm an emotional decision, which is not a bad thing. It can be a good thing. You can give away your mind, will, and emotions, but um, or be influenced by that. But again, I think the soul is the very, very deepest part of who you are. So you think basically what you're getting ho- hooked up on or hung up on is the fact that you don't think that's interesting. <laughs> you don't think that the soul is your mind, will, and emotions. You think it's more, and so you're saying for the part that is mind, will, and emotions. Yeah, sure, ties can be happened, but for the more, you're saying no. Correct, yeah, because I don't think the soul is as simple as being able to say it's the mind, will, emotion. Just like it's not that simple to say the spirit. Oh, boy. So right, what is, because so what, what, what is, is spirit? the spirit? I, earlier, like the first episode, when you're like, Bree, define for us what we're doing. I'm like, okay, great, soul is mind, will, and emotions. Soul is a part of you that comes alive in Christ, and your body is the vessel that it's housed in. I didn't have a rehearse for that. I just, it came out that way. And as I thought about it later, I thought, what is a spirit before it comes alive in Christ? Ooh. Okay. Would you say that you're just not alive in, uh, at all, fully? Correct. Yeah, that's what the Bible says, that you're actually dead in your sins and trespasses, so that, but are made alive through Christ. So we may be switching gears here, but let me, let me finish the soul tie thing. Okay. I think the soul at least from what we can gather, just from, I think, I don't think mind, will, and emotion is a bad definition. I just don't think it's the full definition because it is so much deeper than that. And so when someone says, oh, there are soul ties, I think, no, let's define what it actually is, like what we can describe it as. So I think that that's an emotional tie. Or Mm -hmm. you know what? Yeah, your mind... Your mind is like maybe that person's occupying your mind too much or it's occupying your your emotions too much. And it's, you know, either can manipulate or whatever your will, blah, blah, blah. 
right? So do I think that happens? For sure. But I think the soul is so much deeper than we can describe. And even again, when we read it in the Bible, there's really no just like boom definition. Like you look at love, agape love, right? Like there are different definitions of agape, I mean of love, but you look at agape love, and it's pretty easy to understand. It's like, it's the type of love that's so deep that you're willing to give your life for. Boom, great definition. So when you look at Jesus down on the cross, that's agape love. He gave everything. Soul ties, you can't really, if you say the soul is just these three things, then if you give those three things, then great. But the soul is more than that. Mm. So when I think of like a soul tie, I go, man, that means it's like the center of who you are. The very, in fact, going back to your definitions, when they're looking at like the kidneys and these vital organs, right? Mm -hmm. Like they would actually preserve those. Mm -hmm. right they would take them out and preserve them because they felt like that was the soul because it's the core of the body correct and i think it is the there is something core about it there's something vital about it there's something deep about it and we've all experienced that at some point in our lives we have probably come face to face and we will periodically come face to face with like in the depths of who I am beyond my physical, which is pretty easy to explain, beyond my body, beyond my spirit, which we kind of feel, but at the core of who I am, if you strip everything away, who am I? I believe that's the soul. And I don't think you can give that away. I think it takes a lot of intentionality to really find that. And to discover it. And I think it's so, like, so deep, it's actually very hard for an external person yeah. to take from you. Do you think that the way we simplify it, those are just inroads to mm-hmm. get close to who you are? Yeah. Because I would agree. I think the whole point of us trying to define the soul is creating a place for you to recognize how do I protect who I am in the right way mm-hmm. relationally. Right. Because like there are friendships that I have had that I know were more than they should have been mm-hmm. because that person's influence in my life made me question my take on modesty, my take on relationships. Right. My take. I mean, and you want to question, you want to grow. Mm-hmm. But if you're, if you're allowing somebody's influence in your life to tell you without you deciding for yourself what it should be, I think that that's too far. You've right. given them this like almost not lordship, that's too much, but authority. Mm-hmm. And that happens normally like through emotions, mm-hmm. but eventually affects your mind and is now affecting the things you are willfully deciding to do. Correct. And it took me probably three years of not being around that friendship to fully realize all the ways in which it had like, I, I use little, my little finger bunny ears, infiltrated. Right my thought life on what I thought was correct Christian practices. Mm-hmm. And it was solely based on a person. Right. So it was an active decision to go through and say, what does scripture say? What does it really say? What does it mean? Okay, that's how I'm supposed to live. That's mm-hmm. my line. They're not my line. Right. Does that make sense? It does. And so, and, and that's really great that you brought that up because I feel like this whole um and I keep saying I feel like because I want to be sure to just emphasize that these are my thoughts. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Whatever influence that individuals have on your mind, will, and emotions for sure will make you question the deeper part of your soul. Mm-hmm. So like you said, it's kind of like an inroad to the soul, but it's kind of where it all begins. And so to really be free from that, you have to go beyond that and really tap into who you really are in Christ. Because when you know who you really are in Christ, then guess what? People can't have that level of influence on you. You will then be able to say, you know what? I know who I am mm-hmm. in the depths of my soul. I know who I am. And therefore, the only people and individuals that are 
that have access to my mind, will, and emotions are those who also know who I am. And they're, they're here to what? Help you discover and move into more of who you are in Christ. Yeah. Makes sense? Yeah. It definitely makes sense. I think that... I think that that's part of one of the things that's really important before people decide to get married. Like people ask me all the time, do you think there's an age that people should get married? Or do you think there is an age that people, you know, should draw a line somewhere because people got married really young back in the day and now they're waiting until they're older, yada, yada. I think that the healthiest way to enter into that kind of relationship is not based on an age, but it's based on an understanding. Either that you're within the will of God, even if it's prior to you knowing fully who you are, or you really knowing fully who you are in Christ before linking your life to someone else, because it can have a detrimental effect on how effective you are. And it goes back to the very beginning of this conversation. You said, are they eternal? And I said, no, but their effect on you is because you give an account for your life. And so if you allow somebody's effect to keep you from being the effective person to do the, the portion of God's will in your life that he set out for you to do, then that soul tie has made an in, an internal, an eternal impact on yeah. you. Well, I definitely think those connections um, will either influence you into better or worse. But it still comes down to like knowing who you are. And that's why I think like soul health is so important because soul health is, um, you know, we always think we always talk about like physical health and spiritual health. And those are kind of easy to define because it's like, okay, physical health, eat right, um, exercise, you know, make sure you're not ingesting things that are detrimental to your body. Spiritual is pretty easy to define as well. Like, um, stay connected to God. You know, um, there is an aspect of the spirit that's mysterious. But pro- pretty much people know that there's there's certain things like intuition and or what we would define as intuition. But there's like a spiritual aspect that you kind of know, but you don't know. And that's kind of like the mystery of the spirit. But there, you can take care of your, yourself spiritually. Read the Bible. Consider God's word. Uh, pray, meditate, um, those things. The soul is probably one of the hardest ones for people to like define, like how do you have good soul health? Yeah, that's hard. Right. Very hard. But But I think what it is, it's like the thing that really brings you peace and joy, that's at the depth, at the very center of who you are, the soul probably takes the most, um, intentionality to care for because I think it's also the one that's the most ignored. And it goes back to what you were saying. I think a lot of times people will lean on the affirmation or the confirmation or the influence of other people to try to discover who they really are. Mm-hmm. And so would think one thing that people was, you know, a lot of times do is like when they try to find their purpose is they will poll everybody around them to try to figure out what everybody's opinion is of them. Mm-hmm. And then they allow that influence to open up the gateway of defining who they really are. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's also not a great thing. Mm-hmm. Because, again, everyone can tell you, man, based on blah, 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 man, we think you're this, this, and this. But have you ever done something where everyone, everyone is telling you, hey, you're great at that, but you hate doing it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So so that means you can't always rely on what people externally say. You know, people can tell you all day long, man, you're an athlete. You should be a pro football player. I think you have a talent to be a pro football player. And then, and when you're in the church, man, people will prophesy to you. You know what I'm saying? They'll be like, man, I really feel like God wants you to be a pro athlete <laughs> or whatever. You know what I'm saying? But the reality is, maybe that's not what God's calling you to. Like we should tell our listeners, prophesying is prophesying a lie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretending to prophesy, but it's actually a lie. 
But does that make sense? Yeah, but the tricky thing is, I think, even on the flip side of that, you can't find who you are totally with, without other people. Without community, for sure. Because how are you supposed to know really what you identify with or what you don't? Mm-hmm. There's that. But also sometimes people see things in you that you don't see. I think we can have blind spots that are right. even our own strength. Right. We have blind spots that are huge weaknesses. Right. And that's why, was, that's why exactly what you said earlier is so important, that those are inroads, but they're not the defining. You know what I'm saying? Right. That's why you can have partial soul influencers, like on your mind, will, and emotions, but at the center of who you are, it really needs to come from a, a it's a revelatory experience mm. that, um, that can only really come from God. And I don't think we spend enough time going, God, reveal to me who I really am, like who you really created me to be. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Not like we, we always like, we pray about our talents. We pray about our gifts. We pray about our influence. We pray about our opportunities. We, we, we pray about things that are like physically like revealed to us or intuitions or feelings and stuff like that. But like how many times do we actually sit down and go, Lord, who do you, who do you define me to be without any influence Jesus did that. Yeah. Remember when he said, he sat his disciples down and said, hey, whom do men say that I am? And they went down the line and were like, man, people describing you as this and like that. And man, you're a prophet, you're a rabbi, you're a messiah, you're, you're, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then he goes, but whom do you say that I am? Doubt the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus was like, that didn't come. From you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. The only way you had insight into the depth and the true definition of who I am is it was revelation. So you're saying that this conversation, body, soul, and spirit, we automatically know our body because it's easy. But we only partially know our soul until our spirit has come alive because unless the spirit is alive, then there's no way for us to understand the depth that we already have a hard time getting to mm-hmm. without the help and the aid of the Holy Spirit. Correct. So people who are not alive in Christ only half know their soul. If, if at half, all. Yeah. If at all. Correct. Because the scripture is very plain. Paul talks about all the time that you are a slave to sin. You're dead in your sins and trespasses and you're, you have no life apart from the life that's provided through Christ. You're a zombie. Essentially you're a a walking dead person until the Holy spirit boom quickens you, makes you alive and reveals Something very special about you. That's why people will say, man, something is so different since I've been saved. Mm. And you go, well, what? Like, I don't know. I just feel different. Why do you feel different? Do you do anything different? No, I was always a good person, but just something's changed. Yeah. It's because one of the best definitions I've heard of the soul that I think is actually really good is the soul is the combination or it's like the the definition of when the body and spirit are fully alive in Christ interesting when the body and spirit are full alive that's when you know the condition of your soul when body and spirit are fully aligned with Christ, the, the, the fullest definition of your soul and I think it's is a, completely revealed. I think it's a natural expression too. I think it shocks people because it's, it's something that maybe 
just is an easy place to exist, like an easy place to be. Like, I don't know if this is helping make sense at all, but for me, sometimes I feel like my soul is most alive when I'm doing things like singing or or talking about God's truth, speaking or, or something in those two realms. There's an ease to it because it almost like makes sense. Mm-hmm. Physically and spiritually, it makes sense for me to be doing this and my soul feels alive mm-hmm. in it. But yet, like painting is a different kind of expression and it helps sort through two different avenues but aren't, is related, unrelated to both of them. Mm-hmm. So it's helped keeping my soul, I think, healthy to be engaged in those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anytime, like <laughs> I was talking to someone today. I said, man, I've seen individuals that are you know, they're very disciplined in their spiritual life. But they lack in their physical life and their body. So they have poor health and, and of their own making. Obviously, you understand that there are physical challenges that happen. There are body challenges that are just, they can be hereditary. They can come as no fault of your own. I'm talking about just not taking care of your body. And it messes up their soul. It really does. Mm-hmm. Like they'll, you know, they can be so spiritually strong, but suffer so much in their body that it it can make their soul feel real shaky. Mm-hmm. Same thing is true of the other, the flip side. You can be, your body can be, you can be an Olympian athlete, but if your spirit is not alive, you can get all the metal, gold medals that you want at the Olympics, but something ain't going to feel right. Mm-hmm. Right. And we hear about these stories all the time. Right. Like how many times have we have we literally witnessed people who are who have all the money in the world, have everything that, you know, in the natural that people desire and yet are miserable. Yeah, all the time, all the time. Right. But when you're when your body and your spirit. Which are the things that we can really control. Right. Which are easier to control are aligned right, it opens up the, I think it opens up your ability to see more into who you're supposed to be mm-hmm. in the depths of your soul. Or maybe who you're not supposed to be, like for people who are in the wrong right spot. Like exactly. If your body and your spirit never get there, then you n- sometimes never see, oh, there was a soulish issue right. that I was dealing with. Right. But because I was so carried and burdened by my physical issue or so carried and burdened by my spiritual issue. I never got to deal with my soulish soulish issue. Mm -hmm. And so instead they're compensating in one or the other. Right. I think you and I talked about this one time that you're cautious of people who are overly spiritual or overly physical or like hyper fixate in one of the two. And it's usually there's a soulish issue they can't get to. Mm -hmm. So they're hyper fixating in one or the other. Correct. And that's when they come off super spiritual and you're like, you don't really need to be that way. You right. know that, right? Like right. you can just be a normal human, but they right. don't know that because there's a brokenness in their mind, will, and emotion or deeper right? that they can't get to. Right. And it's usually a search for the soul. Most of the times when people are searching, they're searching for the soul. They're searching for really who they are. So when you, when you, when you talk to people about their purpose, Really what people interpret that as is, who am I? And that's why when people say, hey, when, when you know, uh, you ask somebody, hey, do, have you discovered your purpose? Really what that, how most people interpret that is, do you know who you really are? And that's why that question is so hard to, for most people to answer. Mm. Like, they know what their, like they know what their talents are or the gifts. And a lot of times they'll answer that way. Oh, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm supposed to be a whatever. Whatever they their gifting is, that's what they'll throw out there. Then you go, okay, cool. But what are you supposed to do with that? Like, what's mm-hmm. the end goal of that? Mm-hmm. And that's where they get right hung up a little bit because again, I think we all are. Um, there's this and again. I think that's why there's such a mystery around the word soul because it is so deep. It is so intimate. It is so essential it's just it's so deep that it can't just be defined by a quick like dictionary definition like there is there's a soul 
I don't think can be defined. It can only be discovered. Interesting. I was just thinking as you're talking about that, how people with an imbalance in their soul that search for it through the physical and through the spirit, I think experience heartbreak when those things are broken mm-hmm. because they've tied their identity into it. And so right. when people have heartbreak in relationships, it's not because they don't have enough soul to spare that they go into touch their soul. It's because they've given too much of the identity attributed from their soul to that person. And when they perceive it as broken or non-existent, it's not that the hope of a relationship is broken. It's the hope of your future self is broken. Mm-hmm. Well, this is getting deep. Yeah. Well, because I mean, think about the Bible. So what does the Bible, what does the Bible say about um, connections, especially connections that happen physically in a covenantal relationship, intimacy? Anytime that the scripture talks about um, sexual intimacy, it always says one flesh. And so it's interesting that it doesn't say one soul. Yeah. Right? And I think that's on purpose, obviously. The Bible's influenced by God. But I think that, there, that each individual has a unique identification. Yeah. That's in their soul. Like their soul is their identifier. Right. Right. And so that's an identifier you will never lose. Like that's not one that you give away. Right. It's not one that is like, you know, oh, now that I'm married or now that I'm, you know, that I have this friend or now that, you know, I'm in this position, whatever, that now my soul is somehow mixed with this other individual and no, I think that you will have, you have a clearly defined identification in your soul that's unique to you. Mm-hmm. But again, if the body and the spirit are lined up, including in your relationships, mm-hmm. then your soul's going to be healthy. That's good. So even if, for instance, let's say in relationships, Let's say you've given your body away prior to, like out of alignment, prior to covenant, then that misalignment is going to mess up the identification of your soul. Because emotionally and spiritually, or physically and spiritually, is out of whack. Right. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you're like, oh man, I got the soul tie. No, physically, spiritually, you're out of a line. And emotion, it's affecting you emotionally. So now, that mess up in your emotions is messing up your true identity of who God's created you to be. Right. As a contribution to the entire world. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah, and I think about the term even like soulmates, not a scriptural term. But they don't say, they, they say soulmates as in like two pairing together. Not one, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's all making sense. The The fact that people in relationships find themselves discontent in marriage later on, maybe not because they're with the wrong person, but because they realize that person is not satisfying the identity of their soul, they mm-hmm. still have to do that. Right, exactly. And a lot of times we try to find the answer, and this it goes back to what you were saying, we try to find the answer of who we really are, who are, what our soul is by either doing it through the body or the spirit, right? In, in, in terms of like, oh, man, I, uh, man, I just don't know who I am. So I'm going to go do this. You know, I'm going to travel the world and I'm going to blah, blah, blah. You, you're physically going to go find yourself, right? Or they go through some kind of spiritual like, whoa, you know, <laughs> let me go be a monk for a while or like, you know, have the spiritual awakening or whatever. But truly when both of those are aligned and in, the only way to find it is when they're aligned with Christ, mm-hmm. right? And then, of course, then the question is, will you ever be perfectly aligned with Christ while here on this earth? The answer to that is no. No, right? Because even Paul, the great apostle Paul says, dude, I am still warring against my flesh, mm-hmm. constantly knocking up against it. However, when you get a glimpse <laughs> of who you really are in the soul, 
like who God's really defined. And, and like, then it's a, like you recognize when your flesh or your spirit is out of line mm-hmm. and you can use your mind, will, and emotions to right. Realign those so mm-hmm. that you can, again, like you, you know, um, Paul says, I am, I'm moving forward and I'm, I've got a target. And what does he say about the target? He says, I discipline my body. Mm-hmm. Like an athlete does. Mm-hmm. So I can attain the crown of righteousness. Mm-hmm. Whoa, right? We usually just like, no, that's like a spiritual thing. No, it was, it, it was spiritual, but he tied it to it physically. Mm-hmm. But it's the identity that he had in his soul. So it sounds like in our next podcast. <laughs> By the way, this is all impromptu. Very much. <laughs> I didn't know you were going to say half the stuff you said. I couldn't even anticipate that. Well, I mean, yeah, I didn't anticipate this. I did, well, I knew we were going to talk about soul ties. Mm-hmm. But honestly, have never really even thought about it until just now. Like in terms of like what my thoughts are on soul ties. Mm-hmm. I've had like a quick fleeting opinion on it, but we just talked our way through it. So yes. that was great. Very good. So I guess we do our little outro. And then next week, we're going to have to decide of body, soul, and spirit. If somebody's tackling this, what should they tackle first? What's mm-hmm. leading in the three? Are, is there one that's leading in the three? Mm-hmm. Why? And what does that mean for the rest of the other two? It's good. So prepare yourself because I don't know what you're going to say. And I don't either. The, the good thing is, like, these are great. These are just open conversations. And so we could be completely wrong, and that's okay. Um, <laughs> yay. Yay. <laughs> Glad you listened. <laughs> I, I don't, you know, we approach it believing that what we say is right. You What you're saying and what I say is right. And um, but at the same time, we're open for discussion. Like, we want to, that's what this is all about is furthering the conversation. So if you have comments or questions or concerns or Want to talk about more of it, man? Let us know. Yep. All right. Tim Rivers. Priyanna Klingenberg. We out. <laughs>